the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. the stairway to heaven. We're coming to you bringing insights into the ever-changing high-frequency currents now baiting the planet and their effect on us all. The source of vital information for the evolving human being. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Let's talk freedom. Currently, one of the most misunderstood human concepts is that of freedom. The common belief, freedom is something one must fight for or stand for. In the case of the United States, we assume our constitutional rights give us freedom. Once those constitutional rights are violated, we must fight for justice or lose our freedom, and so on. Before we can understand freedom, we must first come to understand what truly binds us. The only true freedom we have, regardless of what country we live in, is that of compassion, spiritual connection, clear logical thought, and decision-making capabilities. Physiologically speaking, when we're up in arms and fighting for or against something, regardless of what it is, we're firmly ensconced in the back brain. When we're operating out of the back brain, our resources are limited to fight, flight, and aggression with no logic, compassion, or spiritual connection to be had. As discussed in prior Stairway to Heaven episodes, when in the back brain, we're very controllable. All the powers that be need do to control the masses is to feed them information or misinformation designed to inflame and polarize. When confronted with the appropriate stimulus, we're driven into the back brain where logic no longer prevails. At that point, we can be herded around by our righteous indignation based upon the stimulus we're fed. Let's take a deeper look at the anatomy of this beastie. Polarization is one of the tools used to render people controllable. If you can be incited to take a polarized stance, in effect, you've given up your freedom. In a simplified example, envision a teeter-totter. As children, most of us have stood at the fulcrum of a teeter-totter with one foot on either side of center and balanced without either side of the board touching the ground. This can only be accomplished from a central stance and the mobility to change weight from foot to foot to maintain balance. If we try to run from one end of the board to the other to create balance, we're destined to failure. We're totally engrossed in running and unable to discern when and where the corrections must be made. 
when we're so far from center that the corrections need to become very gross and engrossing, so to speak. So it is with polarization. If we take a firm stance, either for or against a thing, it's like running to one end of the teeter-totter and staying there. The board hits the ground, and if we don't move off our stance, we're dead in the water. This lack of mobility also compromises our personal frequency and with it our ability to adjust and go with the flow of life. We become rigid, closed-minded, and locked down against nature's ebb and flow. Anything locked down against life is subject to friction, and friction wears things out. We age prematurely, disconnect from our creativity when constantly in a polarized stance. Polarization is fixed and does not move, and therefore cannot accommodate higher frequency. Judgments are also fixed, and therefore low frequency. Only in considering other viewpoints and realities rather than judging against them out of hand can we begin to come out of polarization. When we stand in the truth of self and the way life works, we have the stability to consider other viewpoints without the risk of losing our own. It's important to bear in mind when tempted to be dead set for or against a thing, it's not the thing so much as the timing. This is beautifully expressed in Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there's a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's nothing wrong with harvesting, but if one attempts to harvest corn in the spring, they'll come away empty-handed. In the quest to find what's right and wrong, a polarized concept to begin with, we tend to lose sight of the fact that nothing is right or wrong just out of its natural rhythm and timing. Proper action can only come from a place of logical discernment, not inflamed judgment. The prior is a front brain activity while the latter resides in the back brain. The key, regardless of the stimuli, stay present, neutral, and logically discern proper action in the moment. As we're being exposed to ever-expanding frequencies, unity is being increasingly supported. By its very nature, extreme polarization is diametrically opposed to unity. It divides rather than unifies. <laughs> Lest we polarize against polarization, let me point out its necessary and critical part of life. We need positive and negative charges to maintain life as we know it. It's extreme, static, lockdown polarization that results in destabilization and eventual madness. Freedom, wholeness, and sovereignty is dependent upon an individual's internal unification. As in the teeter-totter metaphor, we need the freedom to move from one pole to the other, i.e. shift weight from foot to foot, to obtain balance. As long as we're standing in the center of who we are, of our true nature, we can accommodate the shifts necessarily, necessary to maintain balance. When we come from a balanced stance, everything we do is in balance and therefore supported by life. Course corrections are a simple matter if we never vary too far off course. While this sounds good in theory, there are quite a few factors currently working against us. Among those are triggers. Triggers are events expressed in the present that throw us back into past damage. When this occurs, we're no longer present and are reacting from damage rather than acting in the present moment. We take the events of the past, erroneously superimpose them onto the present, and make a rerun out of the future. This prevents us from creating the outcome we desire from a place of power. Personal power only exists in the present moment. Everything else is reactionary and distorted by past events. 
When triggered, our perceptions become clouded, we're subject to remember damage, perceive we're currently in danger, and guess what? You've got it. A one-way trip to the back brain. Freedom lies in our ability to stay in the present moment and access our personal power. Everyone has triggers. Some we can recognize in shortstop. Others tend to take over our lives, distorting our experience. It's important to closely observe our thoughts and promptings to see if they're clear and present or reactionary and based on past trauma. Denial is another factor in the disempowerment equation. The increasing frequency present is forcing many of our denied judgments, beliefs, and polarizations to the surface. Historically, the way we tended to maintain denials was to project them onto those around us rather than own them. Unfortunately, this method is very disempowering. If we project our perceived faults onto someone or something else, we give away our ability and freedom to change. If we're unable to own and transmute our perceived faults, we are controllable. These judgments and projections originate in guilt and shame. No one wants to feel shame or be found guilty. Therefore, all someone need do to get our agreement and hack into our personal power is to offer up a common foe upon which to project our denials and therefore our guilt. When we agree on our chosen foe's guilt and condemn them, this creates group agreement upon a manufactured reality. Thus began many a successful genocide. Clearly, the best course of action would be to own and process out our judgments and denials rather than disempower ourselves by projecting them. There are many fine modalities available to help us recognize and clear our triggers and denials. Among those are psychotherapy, EMDR, shamanism, and biofeedback, to name just a few. Different modalities work best on differing issues and vary from individual to individual and from time to time. Introspection and brutal honesty combined with self-acceptance go a long way to aid the process. There's no replacement for processing through our triggers. It's paramount to personal empowerment and true freedom. Another tool used to render people controllable is mob mentality. Like all things in life, thought forms and beliefs express according to frequency. Let's use the frequency principles demonstrated by sound waves as an example. If you sound a note in a sound shaper at a particular volume, wavelength and frequency, then add one more note to it at the identical volume, wavelength and frequency, one might think the volume would double. In fact, the volume increases exponentially. This is what occurs when more than one person holds a belief or stance. The influence of that stance increases exponentially every time someone else agrees with it. Just because we agree on a thing doesn't make it true. Or does it? Frequency dictates reality. When in an environment where a belief system is being held by more than one person, the frequency being broadcast alters perceived reality. When an individual enters this environment, unless they're self-aware, firmly anchored in the present moment and in a neutral stance, they become subject to the altered reality and end up adding their agreement to the equation. When we're not internally unified, we're subject to propaganda, manipulation, and exploitation. This is the anatomy of cults and mob mentality. Control the common denominator belief system, and you control the masses. Consider it a red flag when what you're being presented with has no room for question or other opinions. Should that be the case, you're probably being presented with cult mentality. So it's not an argument of what's real 
Rather, it boils down to consciousness, self-awareness, and deciding what reality do you wish to be involved in or subjected to. Considering all of this, we see the limitations of participating in a demonstration. While we might draw attention to an issue that may seem to be getting our point across, we are in fact entering to the mob reality of mob mentality, polarizing for or against something, taking a fighting stance, and thinking from the back brain. Suddenly we've lost our freedom and are along for the ride. Given now we have a mob of people firmly anchored in the collective back brain, where the only resources are fight, flight, or aggression, it starts to make perfect sense why so many peaceful demonstrations end up as riots, violence, murder, and anarchy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the sort of riot I would choose to be on. How paradoxical. In fighting for freedom, we give it up, turning our personal power and control over to mob mentality and who or whatever may be directing it. In times past, we tended to try to effect a change from the outside by opposing things we perceived to be contrary to our personal freedom. During lower frequency times, this may very well have been our best option. Now, however, new alternatives are becoming available. Rather than fight a thing and in so doing become subject to the very thing we resist, we can instead find internal sovereignty. When we're sovereign, self-aware, and in the moment, we no longer need be subject to outside forces and manipulation. Freedom is indeed an inside job. Anything else is simple illusion. Let's examine the difference between group agreement and unity. We've discussed how group agreement can dictate perceived reality. However, while group agreement offers a certain amount of power over perceived reality, this power comes with a high cost. The individuals participating in group agreement must sacrifice much of their natural expression and thoughts to conform to the group's premise. At the same time, if we've agreed upon a common foe on which to project our perceived faults and sins, we may be extremely invested in maintaining that group agreement. A group mind is not unity. Unity brings together all the individual traits, gifts, and natural expressions of its members to form a whole greater than the sum of its parts. Rather than stifle a person's true nature and expression to obtain agreement, unity incorporates all the natural traits, gifts, and talents of its members. This results in sovereignty and power for the unified field, as well as for all the individuals therein. To participate in unity, we need to extract our personal power from the current system, become unified and sovereign within ourselves, and then bring our natural expression to the whole. Unity within self must be present before we can fully participate in the unified field. In unity, the whole supports and uplifts all its members, rather than controlling and disempowering them. At higher frequencies, this is our true design. Obtaining freedom requires no battle, nothing to oppose, but rather a personal choice to no longer participate in our own enslavement. Thank you for joining me, Gwilda Wiyaka, on the Stairway to Heaven, where we provide updates on the energetic currents facilitating our evolution into conscious, powerful co-creators. Until next time, may you be blessed on your sacred path to wholeness. We are here. The time is now.